All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Serialites, welcome to a very special Saturday morning serial. It's the 100th episode, 100 episodes, more or less, as far as we can figure. That's enough uh, reason to celebrate. Uh, and hey, it's me, Dan Grimshay. After the last 99 episodes, I really don't know why you would not know that, you idiots. Uh, also joining me, as you should be able to guess, uh, Marquis. Marquis, aren't you there? I am here. I've been here for 99 of them. Woo. Okay. All right. We're one for one so far. I'm going to try. I'm going to reach out again. Uh, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski, might you be there this time? Commander JTG, ready to pronounce and enunciate everything, sir. All right. We got we got Jimmy the Gent or somebody using his Skype account. And uh, I'm feeling lucky. It's 100 episodes. Tell me, tell me we might even have Johnny Heck this time. Johnny, Johnny, are you out there on the ether? Hey, yo, I'm glad to be here for my second episode ever. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. You've been here more than that. <laughs> uh, here's hoping for a third. Uh, all right. You know what? Uh, four for four. This is amazing. I'm going to try one more because I think I got the magic, y'all. <clears throat> Slick McFavorite. Sometime contributor and non-listener, are you out there this time? <laughs> Hola. Buenas noches. Uh, can I add that he's the inspiration for this show? Because he got us going. So it's, but it's not fun. in a legal sense. I just want to get <laughs> no, that no, out no, there no, as well. Yeah. Not in a residual way. Yeah. <laughs> just so overall, yeah. you're inspirational, Slick. Our friend from uh, Open Your Toys, uh, the podcast, The Media Empire, uh, where they talk about something that I guess we don't. So that's all you need to know. Uh, well, holy shit, five for five. I don't know if we've ever done this before. So, all right, I'm feeling hot. Uh, Holly Hobbits. Very occasional no. contributor. Are you out there? She did not make it. Ah, I did shit. try to Well, get you know, at some point you hit a wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was, uh, it was attempted, and she's actually living in Tucson now, uh, but she was not available Address. today. So uh, I don't know. Uh, somewhere by the border. I think they're at a commune down there. But uh, I think she's doing well, and she'll catch us on the next 100th episode. Well, that's enough. Uh, it's enough motivation for me. All right. So, so you know, it's been 100 episodes. Well, 99.1 episodes so far. I think it's fair to say at this point, 
Guys, you wouldn't argue with me. Our little show has finally come of age, huh? Ah, I see what you did there. Oh, nice. (laughs) I don't know why you would, because I haven't told you. We're going to talk about coming of age movies this episode. Now the lines have been drawn, and here we Uh are. What is a coming of age movie? We had a little discussion beforehand. I hope that doesn't ruin the magic for the listeners. Why are we talking about coming of age movies? That's a great question. Well, I don't know about because y'all, but I got a sneak peek at a new movie coming out called 18 to Party. Out December 1st. It's out on December Video 1st. On demand. Video on yep. demand. Yep. Uh, I yep. talked to the director already, and you're going to hear Jeff all Rota. about that. Jeff Rhoda, me and him, and uh, and all of you. We're going to have a moment, but not yet. We'll get to that. Yeah. Because okay. let's talk about what the <laughs> hell is a coming-of-age movie. Uh, you know, BuzzFeed, I'm sure, could give us a list, but we like to do things a little more heartfelt <laughs> around here, don't we? So, I don't yeah. know. If I, let's do like a Rorschach style first. I'm just going to pick at random Slick McFavorite. Uh, just answer, don't think, uh, coming of age movie. Name one. Kids. Oh, kids. That's a heavy one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just a, le- a left right of the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. about AIDS. <laughs> yeah. Very, very brave. Not going with any of John Hughes's dozen uh, and a half. I, I actually saw that movie. Uh, we were in high school. It was probably 1994, maybe 1995. And uh, we saw that movie for some reason. The Lobo Theater in Albuquerque was showing movies. <laughs> still, uh, <laughs> just didn't uh, know search any it. It's still. And uh, I saw that movie at the Lobo Theater with a bunch of high school kids. And yeah, that's a that is a coming of age movie. That is shocking. That is heavy. Um, I still remember the kid because he was the one that had the AIDS and he was out there fucking spoilers. And, yeah, yeah. And he didn't care. <laughs> and you're like. It was terrifying because because that's growing up, folks. Yeah, and it's dangerous. So, (laughs) I mean, it was one of the first to really like show shit how it was. You know, like you know, fucking guys are all about trying to have sex with girls and drugs and drinking and all that kind of shit. Like. it, it was, like you say, it was definitely not a John Hughes movie, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. And now is when I kind of assumed I would just pick another person at random and ask for one. But I think I learned my lesson there. So I'm just going to throw out, yeah, let's go John Hughes. Like, uh, okay. I don't know, Pretty in Pink. Classic yeah. coming of age movie. Am I right? That's what we can all agree, at least, yep. it gets that label. So how are these two related I think that's the meat uh, think, of it. What what makes a coming of age movie then? Um, well, well, I have my thoughts, but I like to hear well, from somebody. Uh, uh, Johnny Heck, what do you think? I I've already taken it like you know, it's just the adolescence. It's you start and you're still kind of that child on the precipice to adulthood, but some shit goes down. Be it you go on a date, you I don't know do a bunch of drugs and give AIDS to people, or you throw a wild party, or do something. <laughs> And then by the end, it's 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 different. Yeah. You know, even the music is different in the film, and it's kind of forced. Or you're like, uh, you have, um, dare I say, grown up? Exactly, you all grown up. But yeah, 
yeah, something happens. I mean, I do like the John Hughes ones better, the the party ones or the date ones. Or somehow the party, everyone's just different the next day. They have those newfound confidence. Like weird uh, science. Weird yeah. science. There you go. My social my roles favorite, have started being yeah. to move and Yeah, and they're like cool all of a sudden and uh because they made a woman, and it, yeah, it, it, it's yeah. just something has to go down. The bullies be suffer. Supernatural the, or not, uh, the awkward kids find their footing. Uh, you get the girl. Sex is had. Yes, like like what are all, there's all it's it. there's well laid out rules for horror movies. Thanks to Scream, I think we all know them. They must exist for coming of age movies. Uh, I think that uh, I, I, I think it's a little bit of hubris, but maybe we can be the ones to lay them out right here, right now. I think Johnny Heck just came up across one of the biggest ones, and that's it's normally a nerdy guy that gets the girl, or it, or or the movie is at least the pursuit of the girl. Well, I think that's a big dazed part. and confused. I think would There's be a, a lot huge of coming of age where it's not the pursuit of any one girl by any means. So I don't uh, know if that's a the, defining one. It definitely can I be in there. Uh, some of the characters are in pursuit of the girl. Yeah, but that's not the theme of the yeah. movie. So, yeah. Okay. Chasing right. a girl could Never be mind. in there. I'm, I'm willing to put it in. Slick, okay. what so do you think? What else the- is going to be in all, you know, out of those three examples so far? What's a through line? Um, I I mean, the big thing, I think, is, is just kind of getting a slice of life, right? You know, I mean, that's that's a big thing. Like with John Hughes, I grew up on those. And, and to me, it seemed like everybody should have eight bedroom houses with one <laughs> bath and, you know, and fucking, and all this. Um, so it gives you a slice of life into a look into something that you can either relate to or maybe, you know, maybe it's something completely opposite. I mean, that's, again, the, the reason why I bring up kids is because um, while I was a skater back in, like, mid-school, early high school, um, I always loved New York. So to see that culture, like, you know, transcribed in the setting of New York, it, it's just that slice of life, you know, seeing, you know, seeing how people live. Well, that's uh, it's well, kids definitely did that. It was almost like documentary. I think there was some question at the time, like how real it was. I yeah, and uh, I I really liked that because in kids it was living in New York, you know, like in the downtown, and you're a skater kid. In the John Hughes movies, it was that you were in uh, suburban Chicago. Um, and if you're looking at dazed and confused, you were in Texas. So So what is the thing that's actually the same about all of them then? Yeah. Well, it, it, I think it, I think that it, it is a slice of life, but it's also showing everybody what these different regions and what it's like for them living in these different areas. Look at fast times, fast times is quintessential Southern California one. That's the Southern California well, version yeah. of coming and, of age and, and coming of age. Yeah, that's Where, it. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I think um, what, so, what what brings them to get the, the, the linking uh, structures of all of these that that can be defined as a rule of the coming of age 
movie would be, you know, like they, for the first time ever, their, their world boundaries are pushed forward all of a sudden. Like they look out and they realize that the authority figures are flawed. You know, they might've just hated them and been punks before, but suddenly they realize they're human and that like, uh, I'm trying to relate it, especially to kids. I'm having a hard time, which is tough because kids is probably the most like on this list of 18 to party. I don't want to say bleak, but it's not a comedy. If you look at Fast Times, uh, the Phoebe Cates character was always dating like older guys and college guys. And the uh, I forget the actress who played her friend, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was always looking at Phoebe Cates' character as, like, the role model. She's dating older guys, and she's so mature. Um, so she kind of had that idea that the the older you are, the more that you have it together. But by the time you see the movie, spoiler alert, <laughs> 1982, um, by the time you see the movie, you're just like, well, the... That kid doesn't really know what's going on. Dating the older guy is it's just actually kind of creepy, you know, so they don't you know, it, it turns out that they're not the role model that you thought that they were. Yeah. That, um, that challenge yeah. of like your old the old structure that you grew up with is something you're outgrowing. And that's something yeah, that comes through, and, I guess, and, on all three, all four, like any good coming of age movie. In fact, I think oh, who, uh, Slick earlier before uh, before we started recording mentioned that it, the Stephen King movie, book, mm-hmm. series, etc. That's a coming <laughs> of age story, and it really is. I think he, yeah. the King himself, has said it in interviews, and the the whole Pennywise is just like an embodiment of that. You're gonna grow up. You're gonna get old. You're gonna die. Everything you love is a little bit evil and decaying. And holy shit, it's a dark way to put it, but it is where things like (laughs) fucking John Hughes movies, uh, they don't point directly to it, but you have to understand it. You know, you lose respect for age. I want to throw it out to everybody. What about the through line of the quintessential bully in all of these? If you look at Mm. Fast Times, like Mr. Hand, uh, in in, uh, Weird Science, you got Chet. Yep. Yeah, I didn't think it was a whale's dick, sweetheart. You know, I mean, it was it was <laughs> awesome. But Stand by Me, psychotic Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. Wanna, you know, threatening to like stab everybody. I think all of these main uh, coming of age films have a. You need a great bully, a great antagonist, right? Uh, Fast Times has uh, what's her name? Uh, oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! I'm so, so many sorry. I'm ready. You can't remember. But uh, that's, that's just a hallmark of another great American movie. Uh, uh, I'm going to Google while you guys are talking. But you're absolutely, time, you're absolutely right about bullies being a big thing. Like, you remember Never Ending Story. Like, the whole thing is born out of this poor kid being bullied into a fucking addict to read a book or something. And then by the end, he's got a dragon chasing these bullies into a, into a trash can. <laughs> uh, it was a luck dragon. Just, uh, I'm sorry, a luck and dragon. A, and a dumpster. So I did not want to have to pay the dumpster people. So if he was riding a dragon, and was that just like a metaphor for him being a junkie like later on in life? That's he already caught the dragon. 
but yeah, it could have been yeah. the white dragon. Sorry, uh, can white I luck take this dragon, back to days and confused because over there. Uh, I am very, I am very, very embarrassed that not, not just that I forgot, but uh, dazed and confused has uh, Parker Posey was the name that I was trying to remember. Mm. Right. And because she was the one that was doing all the uh, uh, the initiations of the freshmen and it was really brutal and awful. Yeah. She but was you the guys, early army you of guys remember? cheerleading squad. What about the Ben Affleck character in that movie? Yeah. My he was, he was bad as well. Horrible. He was like in college. He was coming back and paddling all the kids that were in high school. Yeah. And what was that like? Was that a thing in Texas? Like dudes run around smacking each other in the ass because they're paddles. Right. It's like, oh, you come here. This is fun. It's very uh, likely. Come we're on, re- Johnny. We have make- listeners everywhere. All right. I think. Next time I go to Texas, I'm bringing my paddle. You can get a paddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's recommended. <laughs> and actually, in Texas, they call them Texas fly swatters. <laughs> <laughs> they sell them at the gift shop in the airport, DFW. <laughs> and I think you meant uh, Texas guy swatters. <laughs> hey, Jimmy, are, are you out there? Are you still with us? I'm still out here, buddy. I, I think well, he's I just like circling, waiting for uh, incorrect references he can correct. <laughs> he probably has uh, a list by now. I would love to know what uh, Jimmy the Gent, uh, who is a little older than us, not that much, but a little bit, and I'd like to know what are your coming of age movies? Do they differ from ours? You know, so far we've said Days of Confused. Uh, uh, help me out, guys. We've said Days of Confused. We've said um, Fast we've Times said- at Regimont High. We've said Kids. Pretty and pink, and I think uh, kids was the only one that took place in the present day for our actual coming of age. Right, right. We'll have uh, an interest of saving some of that quarter inch tape. Uh, I'll stop and let you know that uh, I would first say my Porky's. I'd mentioned it off off mic the other, like maybe last week or the week before, but I was about I don't know maybe fifteen or sixteen when that came out. So that was one of the first movies that I saw kind of on my own without my parents and kind of came of age at the time of everybody in the movie was coming of age. But I would lean also lean towards Porky's 2, which everybody (laughs) is still thinking I worked at the drive-in when I was turning 18. And uh, so a lot of what they were doing as far as finishing high school and beating up their adversaries, uh, not so much beating them up, but there was the... uh, the preacher with the flock that they chased that was uh, giving them a hard time. Ooh. Yeah, and the whole Porky series is sort of park. a problematic uh, choice uh, for I, our generation. Do, uh, and then I don't think anyone under well, the, 24 is aware it exists. Well, you kids don't, you kids yeah, don't like your racism in your movies anymore. <laughs> I think you're pushing your luck if you're asking us to watch Porky's too. Um, <laughs> oh, no, uh, I never asked you I, to watch I, it. They, uh, I do think that he does bring up something that's very important, and that is the concept of raunch. Uh, putting your dick through a hole in the wall. Yes. Yeah, raunch. I mean, it raunch. was the eighties. Did we all do that? Very kind. Uh, term. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys have never put your dick in any holes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kids. Blur. Also, coming of age movies can also mean raunch. Um, super bad is a raunch movie. Um, 
what was the other one? Um, well, I think Fast Times could also be a little bit. There's a lot of sex in that one as well. Super Bad, I think, could qualify as a little bit of raunch as well. But that's another big part of coming-of-age movies. Uh, where do you guys think that this fits uh, in this conversation? Uh, Porky's? You definitely need oh, a raunch. I think that's the bottom floor oh, raunch. of raunch. No, no, I'm just talking about the the actual concept of raunch. Like, if we're trying to classify coming-of-age movies, so far, I'm actually keeping a yeah. list. Well, because so we I got, think a lot of the, uh, especially in the 80s, they were making it with the idea of uh, an adolescent uh, market. And an adolescent boy. market loves raunch. So, yeah, of course, your American well, also, pies... You're, uh, in the 80s, they were making them to fill a lot more screens, like uh, drive-in screens. And so the, a lot of lower-budget movies were getting made, and the one of the bigger selling points were just having boobs in it. Or tits, I think you could call them these days. <laughs> <laughs> Not these days, those days, I believe is what you could call it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, that actually kind of reminds me. <laughs> um, being... Uh, I did grow up at the tail end of the drive-in theater era. And there were those movies where you're in the drive-in theater lot and you're there with your parents to see a specific movie, but the Porky's is playing right behind your shoulder. (laughs) Does anybody have those experiences where you're in the car with your parents Mm -hmm. watching Bambi but Porky's is playing right behind you. Mark's just staring in the review mirror, just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> trying to peek out. There like, was one. There was one time that we went to see. Um, I think it was like Amityville Horror, but there was. I think it was uh, a tank. Last Tango in Paris was going on in the front seat with my parents, and uh, we we really didn't. Uh, walk away from that with any good memories. <laughs> I, 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 has anybody else seen Last Tango in Paris? I feel like that one fell a little flat. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's an that's awkward a car ride home for sure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very quiet. Yes. And then you had a little brother, right? <laughs> well, it was yeah, it was me, my brother, and my sister in the back seat. But it was bench seats. You know, we had bench seats back then. So. <laughs> Uh, we didn't nobody wanted to eat any uh, popcorn after that (laughs) (laughs) because of course the butter thank you yeah yeah yes it is funny when you explain it yes well i I think we can expect most of our listeners to best be googling this as as they listen anyway (laughs) right right this last tangle in Paris. <laughs> well, uh, I am not keeping a list of the movies that we've mentioned, but I do have a list of the themes so far. Good. So we have uh, we have get the girl. That's something. We have slice of life. We have also regional. Uh, I didn't put anything after this, but uh, regional. I think um, culture. I think would be a good addition there. Uh, we also have zeitgeisty. Maybe it could all fall under as it's gotta be zeitgeisty. Okay. That sounds good to me. Good buzzword. We also have, um, adults are actually creepy. Yeah. And then, um, and then raunchy. Raunchy. What about, what about graduation? You've always got something's ending and something's beginning. New beginnings. American pie. Graduation, new beginnings. And also, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. this is one that goes both with Raunch and also Get the Girl. But for some reason, one of the tropes in these things is the uh, 
the the quest to lose your virginity. Uh huh. At first, That's by any means scary. necessary, and then in the end, you lose. You learn a lesson, and probably uh-huh. get a sloppy hand job or something. I forget how a lot of them <laughs> actually end, but it's not uh, on camera. Usually. In those particular movies, it's the guy that you would least expect to lose his virginity loses his virginity, and the guy that you would most expect to lose his virginity actually learns to respect and adore the woman, and he doesn't go for it at the end. Boring. He he explores his own insecurities. Exactly. Yes. So that's a big part of it, too. So it doesn't necessarily glorify the conquest. It it actually puts it in a little bit more perspective. It makes you kind of think of where you fit. And it also Unless gives it's us nerds. And then it doesn't have any shades of it that whatsoever. It really doesn't matter. Yeah, the whole movie was about Porky, I mean, Pee Wee trying to get laid. Yeah. And that was the the motivation of his character. But the whole movie was everybody yes. more or less it, trying it was to get laid. It was an 85-minute documentary about an ensuing rape. <laughs> I believe, I, I, you know, even by today's nitpicky standards, I think it was consensual. <laughs> consensual maybe, but recall, it certainly didn't even touch the Bechdel test. If you if you recall, and I know, Marky, you haven't seen it, well, but in Porky's 2, they were together, Pee Wee and the young lady that he uh, wooed. Oh, so he loved, in, yeah, they loved yeah. each other. So that's good. They not, he got laid and he fell in love, you know. It was based on well, uh, classic, on, a, on an classic Elizabeth Wharton story, right? Mm. Elizabeth Porkins is that what you said? That's it. Yes, Elizabeth Porkins. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the name. So yeah, anybody that else? Was, right. Yeah, should we Wait, shout no, out a that few was... more coming of age uh, <laughs> surprise gems? Ferris real Bueller. quick. Ferris Bueller, great one. Ferris Bueller, challenging yeah. authority Breakfast and learning. Stuff. Is there is there a, a an age limit? Because I think about flicks like, and I think what started some of the raunches, like if you look at Animal House, granted they're in college, but when the new class comes in, like Flounder and and uh, I, I I would like those to guys this particular conversation in high school. Yeah, um, okay. I, 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 just, I, I don't I think like it, it just line. misses it. It's got some things. Okay, but... just... okay, okay, okay. Caddyshack. Uh, Caddyshack does no. not. Well, no, 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 no. that's all about the caddies coming. It is, though. Age, I mean, bro. if you consider Danny to be the actual main character, Danny, then yes, it's coming of age. Now, someone Sorry. quick right. name right. his name yep. the actor's name. Gary Coleman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> am I so wrong? Now I'm not, name, am I remembering? Wrong? Now name somebody else who was in Caddyshack. There's no way to know. Yeah. Ted Knight. We're, yeah. Very. <laughs> and you pick the most obscure one. But yeah, mm. so so yeah, there's an <laughs> argument to be made for Caddyshack, but no, it doesn't really play like a coming of age movie. That's just one of its mm. threads, I think. Well, um, uh, let's just quickly. I would like to do a little round robin, one at a time. Let's name a John Hughes movie and let's see where we stop. Grimshay, John Hughes movie, go. Just name a movie. Uh, say anything. Was that John Hughes? Okay. I don't uh, think it was. It's not. Uh, that's a camera. <laughs> I already broke it. <laughs> Damn right, it. So, uh, uh, so yeah. favorite, uh, name a John Hughes movie. Um, uh, well, we already said it. Pretty in pink. Pretty in pink. All right. Uh, Johnny Heck. Name well, I said, yeah, weird science. I'm going to stick weird with that science. one. Okay. Uh, Jimmy the Gent. Name a John Hughes movie. 
I'm going back to Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's right. my hero. That's a good one. Okay. Uh, I am going to name one, which I think um, really barely qualifies, is um, uh, Home Alone, which is a very loose, <laughs> hardly, it, it is kind of a... <laughs> it is tough because no, it all takes place nice in one school. night, and by the end he's changed, but he's still 10. Yeah. But he's shaving, you know, so no. I'll give it to you. <laughs> Hmm. Uh, Breakfast Club. Have we said Breakfast Club? Uh, I don't think we said Breakfast Club. Yeah, but not in this context. Not since the round robin. All right, so uh, Breakfast Club. Okay. Uh, uh, 16 Candles. 16 Candles. All right. Slick McFavorite? Um, Some Kind of Wonderful. Oh, that's a good one. Is that him? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Johnny Heck, do you have another John Hughes? (laughs) Yeah, Dutch. <laughs> with uh, that's like well he's not in high school it's uh ed o'neill man he's talking yeah. that kid around and, and the, the little girl stays a little girl i'm not no he, not he showed him uh, he showed him a nudie deck of cards he, he saw boob man that you know, um, no. Well, <laughs> then all of a sudden, like uh, 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 three I'm fugitives not, is I'm a coming saying, of age movie. No, the line <laughs> has to be drawn somewhere. Came of age. I'm okay, just saying and came. also, well, let's let's go back to muting Jimmy the gent, the pervert. <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> uh, all right, so I think that we kind of nailed it down, and I think what we all figured out was that there actually weren't that many. But I think that they're that they are really big. So it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Pretty in Pink. I don't think was was mentioned in the round robin, but it was mentioned earlier. You got you it got was the right mentioned moves. in the round robin. It was okay, it, it was, was okay. earlier and uh, in the robin. Uh, weird Science was mentioned. No. Okay, uh, The Breakfast Club was mentioned, and Sixteen Candles was mentioned. Oh. Uh, so those are all, I mean, that's kind of it to, Ferris I think, Bueller's. qualify. I think, did I say that? Ferris Bueller's? Yeah, yeah, I said that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, those are, you know, I think that's the kind of basis for what our generation thinks of as a coming-of-age high school movie. It's John Hughes, right? Can we all agree on that? We can all agree on that. Now let's all see if we actually had that kind of life when we came of age. Well, my favorite, even though he said he liked the slice of life of it, he also admitted he didn't have an eight bedroom house in a Chicago suburb. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, and I actually, not to be too personal, but I know the house he grew up in. It was a lot better than anything that they had in kids. So he's somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah, I was I was in an Albuquerque suburb, you know, yeah. essentially if, if Albuquerque had suburbs. But uh, yeah, on a scale of kids to uh, kids to uh, weird science, what, what would your house look like? Well, there was only ever one regional coming of age story out of Albuquerque, and that was called Breaking Bad, and it ended <laughs> yeah. with the poor kid driving away. In a in an in El, Camino. El Camino, tears <laughs> streaming down his feral face. Uh, I would say Days and Confused probably captures the Albuquerque feel better than any of these other movies, but that's not what we're talking <laughs> about today. If you were on the football team, 
Jack. Well, that's what I was going to say is, so, you know, going into high school, I literally thought I was going to be on the football team and the basketball team <laughs> and all this kind of shit. Then I met graffiti artists that smoked weed. And then I became a drug dealer and a graffiti artist <laughs> that drank and smoked pot all the time. So, no, what I thought my high school life was going to be like was like a John Hughes movie. And it was the complete fucking opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I was having sex with girls in bathrooms and stuff like that. Yeah, they're very different than... You know, sitting on your dining room mm-hmm. table with a, a, a cake full of candles <laughs> while the cute guy that drives a Porsche, you know, <laughs> dropped everything to show up. Well, to, hey, to yeah. be fair, I'm pretty sure he banged her in the bathroom right after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, slick. you know what, though? This actually does kind of bring something up, <laughs> I think, um, was that why – why do John Hughes movies have such a hold on our memories of being coming of age? Well, I because think it they, became they such are, a catchphrase. They are not like, relevant. Oh, it's John Hughes. Like he became well, the face of that genre when it was just so but nobody cutesy. Nobody lived like that. Nobody lived this, like that. But you would well, never say is kids question. is like a John Hughes movie. I mean, there's a limit to what you can put under that umbrella. This right. is a good question for Jimmy because, see, I think – at least with us three that I know for sure, we're all within a year of one another. So we saw John Hughes movies before we were in high school. So that's what we thought high school was going to be like. Oh, yeah. Now, you and and Johnny, I don't know how old you are, but... I'm like that same age as Mark, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you saw these in high school, and you thought maybe this is what high school. You know, same thing in risky business. Like I thought I might run a brothel out of my. (laughs) 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 Just kept waiting for my parents to go out of town. (laughs) Damn it! If Slick didn't try it, is fucking every goddamn chance he got. No, I I was the same way, man. I, I I remember seeing a lot of these when I was a. It was a kid, like probably shouldn't have been watching a lot of it when I was a kid, but you know, you get to high school and you're like, that John Hughes is full of shit. Like those. I wasn't invited to any parties like yeah. those, you know. <sighs> yeah, I was the ducky constantly, you know. Um always, you know, looking on the I was on the I was the outside looking in constantly. I did have my moments, um, but yeah, I was always the ducky to, yeah. you know, pull a John Hughes reference back in. Sure. Yeah. And why, uh, and why not? So, so Jimmy, so, so Jimmy, what do you think? Cause you were in high school. It, right. As far as my understanding, you were in high school when these movies. Yeah. I, yeah. You I were was just in high one of our older brothers. Definitely. So be cool for us. <laughs> well, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know about that. If I can be cool, but I was in high school and, and like pretty in pink was, you know, made for us. Like for, you know, I graduated 19 and 84. So like, I, and I think that movie came out in 85, but that's, that's pretty much what it was like. I mean, I didn't have all those rich friends, but, uh, did you also grow up in Chicago? And, uh, no, Detroit suburbs. Oh, okay. Detroit. Okay. 
it, so it was more like um, point. <clears throat> true romance. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but all that, all that, Two high school trailers instead. All, all the stuff that happens in Sherman, Illinois. Um, it, yeah, that really spoke to us back then. Like it was Michael Anthony Hall was me on the TV on the on the big screen, right? And uh, I was never. Uh, uh, Emilio Estevez. I was always Anthony Michael Hall. You know, uh, we did spend a lot of time trying to make women out of Barbie dolls, and uh, that, that's not true. We did wear a lot of bras on our head. That part's true. Um, we <laughs> did a fair amount of break dancing. So, but, yeah. Whenever, whenever um, Jimmy doesn't talk a lot on our podcast, but every time he does, it sparks the rest of the episode. Mm-hmm. And what he just gave me was an uh, uh, was was an amazing uh, the the epiphany was. Hold on, let me da- the... lay down some edit marks here. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Smarter um, was there are archetypes in these movies. So I think the of from my memory, the Breakfast Club shows the archetypes uh, better than any of the other movies. Um, so I'd like to know where you guys think that you stand with the archetypes. Oh, we're going to so, play Who Are You in The Breakfast Club. Yes. And I think all of our listeners could also place themselves into this conversation. So were you the Emilio Estevez, uh, Andrew Clark, who was the jock, or were you the Anthony Michael Hall, who was Brian Johnson? I bet none of you knew that, uh, who was the nerd. Uh, were you the Molly Ringwald, who was the Claire, and she was the rich girl? The uh, were you the Ali Sheedy? Uh, her name was Allison Reynolds in the movie, um, and she was the weirdo. Or were you the Judd Nelson? who was the badass motherfucker who didn't give a shit. Well, I almost Johnny feel Bendis. bad for letting you get to the end of that list because I think if you know all of us and our listening demographic, Anthony Michael Hall is pretty much the one response you're going to get. <laughs> right. And what all you Judd Nelsons, you're lying to yourself. Yeah, what uh, we should ask, what, uh, yeah, what I'm looking at you, Michael Slick. Hall were you? <laughs> <laughs> these, these days I associate more with the principal. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Jimmy. I think <laughs> two and two. <laughs> I think it was the child of um, Anthony Michael Hall and Ali Sheedy, like the yeah, the kind of weird nerd. But I, I don't know, not really. I, see, and that's the thing too. It's like not the Breakfast Club is like a Joseph Campbell, just like identifying these different character types, you know. And, but that's not kind of reality. I, I I couldn't really identify with any of them. Maybe shades of it. You know, you want to be the fucking badass. You want to be the jock, but you're kind of, at least, you know, my personal experience is not. So I don't know. I couldn't really identify with one. Jimmy, I mean, I think, I think you actually, you actually bring up something really, really good. Is that, all right, how about this? Which one do you want to be? Grim Shea. Which one do you want to be in the breakfast club? Oh, I want to be the kid who just got his weekend off, to be quite honest with you. Oh, I feel come like... on. Play. 
I, I'm I, giving and this you is the, me. This I've is been contrarian since I was coming of age. All right. I, so uh, you're, so if uh, I would you're stick with Alex. Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, Ali. Okay, all right. Uh, slick. So, I was that. I was that weird. And again, I just completely lucked into this. This is just by the people I knew. I was that honor roll student, like in all honors classes. Um, but that sagged my pants and did graffiti during class, and you know, slept with all the nerdy chicks, you know, because I was, I was too nerdy to date the chicks that hung out with our crew. You know, they were like, Oh, he's a white guy. You know, but, uh, but I was, I was super cutting edge to the fucking honors girls, you know? So, so I felt like I was the fucking Judd Nelson. I felt like I, you know, not coming, not coming from a broken home, you know, coming home every night and my mom hugging me and saying, I love you. And I cooked you dinner. It's waiting in the microwave for you and all that kind of shit. So coming from a great home, but putting myself in, in situations that were very negative, you know, um, and I think if I had to pick someone that I wanted to be is, I think I always wanted to be a jock. I've always thought I was going to be a jock. You know, I'm a, I'm a bigger guy, six, two, you know, I've been six foot since I was like in sixth grade. You know, I always thought I was going to play football and basketball and, and all that kind takes of stuff. No small amount of athleticism to be a skater too. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the best shape you'll you ever know, be in I, is being 14 and trying to skateboard. And and I hung out with some of the fucking best in Albuquerque, you know, semi-pro guys and shit like that. So, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll say I would have wanted to be Emilio Estevez, but I was somewhere in between Michael Hall and, uh, and Jed Nelson. Uh, I would actually say, just from what you're telling me here, even though I'm going to put aside the fact that I've known you for 20 years, <laughs> but uh, it sounds to me like you would probably think of yourself as a mix of Ali Sheedy and Anthony Michael Hall. Uh, so make note of that no, no, and no, correct no, it in the future. That's where you ended up is what I think. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, the one nice thing that happened to me in high school, like on a fucking acid trip of all things, is realizing I don't have to give a fuck what people think of me. That's I don't think. Still yeah, a good idea to go with a pseudonym, though. So well done, Slick. <laughs> you know, fuck it. All right. So Johnny Heck, uh, where are you? Who are you in Breakfast Club terms, and who did you want to be in Breakfast Club terms? Well, who I was, probably Carl the janitor. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he Kobayashi marooned your little fucking quiz there, didn't he, BuzzFeed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, again, in, in my I, – I played sports up until high school then – I was just like so anti everything. I was like, no, man, I'm going to do my own shit. But I'd go home and watch, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars, but I'd still run around and fucking be athletic. But I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess I would have wanted to be more into 
like play high school football and all that shit. But um, nah, just more Anthony Michael Hall, I suppose, just kind of doing my own thing. But also, I don't know, tried to be purposely kind of like, I don't know, different, like the Ali Sheedy character. It wasn't fucking putting like sugar on sandwiches and shit like that. But <laughs> I don't know. It just tried to be, just tried to be different, but not, not checking any box. I was, I was a mystery. I was an enigma, man. I was too cool. Isn't that <laughs> what most cool of us mind. were kind of going for? Can we admit yeah. that? Always, okay. at, right, at the Jimmy. very least, hedging our bets by keeping a little air of mystery. Right. <laughs> Jimmy, uh, who who are you in Breakfast Club terms, and who did you want to be? Well, I would say as Anthony Michael Hall, like wanting to be cool like everybody else and getting stuff wrong and getting really frustrated that I couldn't do really simple stuff. But I think I wanted to be uh, Molly Ringwald because she was fine, bro. <laughs> I'm not sure you're in the. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you. And get that's the, question, the but, Porky's oh. generation, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 maybe I misunderstood the question. <laughs> I think he, I think he said that he wanted to be in Molly Ringwald. <laughs> that, that was a por- that was a Porky's joke. Sorry, she was fine in this movie. I I'm going to say that. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. All right, Grim Shay, have you given the answer to this? Yes, I have. Should we just keep round robining till we run out, okay. or should we mention that little little gem of a movie that uh, at least you and I, Marquis, got to see? Uh, 18 to party coming out December 1st. VOD. Uh, look for it. We've given you enough. 18 to party. You can find it. Well, wait, have it. Was it, didn't somebody talk to the director? I don't know. <laughs> what? As a matter of fact, yes, I did uh, a week or two or six back. I got to sit down uh, virtually with Jeff Rhoda. Uh We had ourselves a little uh, Zoom meeting. Uh, we talked about the movie. And yeah, I was definitely pushing the narrative that it is a coming of age movie. Um. You'll hear us discuss it in more detail in the interview, but suffice to say, this one does not have the raunch. It does not go for comedy. Uh, it is much more a realistic depiction of being that age, puberty, self-doubt, uh, does it pull actually on your considering mortality. Uh, it doesn't really pull on them. It swings around a little bit in there, but it's much darker than that. Uh, and and doesn't it take place in the 80s rather than more of a... Yeah. Like yes, it's, a it's more like, or less like what was happening somewhere else the day that, you know, Molly Wingwald turned 16 in a Chicago suburb somewhere. So it's a, it's a, it provides a sort of a dichotomy. And we probably should have covered that more in depth. But luckily, me and Jeff Rhoda do Magic Interview Machine. Can't you just let us hear it now? All right, we'll do. All right. Uh, hey, Jeff Rhoda, thanks uh, Thanks so much for talking with us. Hey, Dan, how are you? Good, good. Uh, so uh, I'm sure listeners are, are familiar with it, but uh, let's pick it up from the beginning. We're talking about uh, 18 to party. Um, it's, I don't want to, I hope this doesn't come off as like reductionist or anything, but it's <laughs> it's a coming of age movie, right? Sure. <laughs> 
I, I that's that's what gets me about it. I don't know why I've got such a soft spot for coming of age movies, like from John Hughes up to Superbad, and even all the the sure. dumb eighties, you know, body switching ones. For some reason, that works for me. Are you a fan uh, of of that genre? Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, I, you know, I grew up with a lot of those movies when I was a kid, and and uh, um, I think coming of age, you know. It's not. It's not a. It's not a description that needs to be sort of deconstructed. Uh, it's just kind of like we know what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like those movies that you talked about, like the John Hughes movies, uh, some Rick Linkletter movies. You know, and and uh, uh, again, like House Party. You know, comes to mind, and and into totally. like you know, and into the two thousands. You know, of course, like Superbad and stuff like that. You know, where it doesn't like coming of age can be anything. It could be a horror movie. It could be a drama. It could be a comedy. You know, which is probably why you know we respond so much to them. You know. Yeah, yeah I guess Jane Austen wrote coming of age exactly. movies a, in a way. That's a great point. Sure did. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, what is what is your take on it? Are you how? Maybe I'm asking this wrong. How autobiographical is this one for you? It, it is. It's. I. It's. It is a very. You know. It. It. I guess it. You know. It. It didn't start as it ended up being. You know. I was a kid that lived in a certain area, um, and it was a very specific, singular area. This town. This community. And um, it was small. And a lot was happening in my life at home. You know, I was a product of, I was like a textbook Gen Xer with a multiple divorces. I was a latchkey kid. I, you know, was a single working mother and, and uh, some other things like that. And uh, I moved around a bit. Um, and we lived in a very, very small community where the, it was so small that basically every grade from you know, sixth grade to 12th grade, including kindergarten, were in the same building, you know. Um, and so there were things going on, like when you're a 12-year-old kid um, and there are 18, 19-year-old kids walking by you in the hallway, I mean, they might as well be 40, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a different world. And um, while we were in school, a lot of terrible things were happening. And again, when I say a small school, I'm talking... 50, 60 kids in, the, in, in each grade, you know, and, uh, and, and a lot of, um, you know, I was, I was just telling someone before, there was a, there was a lot of uh, um, terrible accidents. There was a lot of, there was a suicide situation that happened in our town that, that um, made national news. In addition to, at that time, there was a, like, quote, unquote, um, teen suicide epidemic. Uh, and, in fifth grade or sixth grade and you're hearing about these things, you don't know any of these people, you know, even though they're walking down the hall, but you hear things and, and, and it's just something that over the years has had stuck with me, you know, and I, I'm kind of a generational warrior in a way. I'm really proud of generation X, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I think it's. A, I think it's. A Listeners very, can't see, but uh, I can tell you that Jeff is wearing a very uh, Kurt Cobain esque uh, sweater right now. <laughs> he's got I the requisite T shirt. He's 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 taking this these clothes out of my closet, as far okay. as I can tell. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I, I you know it shows you how much I've grown up. I uh, <laughs> but I I you know it's it's um I, you know I really wanted to um 
I really wanted to explore this generation in a way that wasn't like just a narrative like movie. You know, I wanted to do something conceptual that sort of, um, that I could bring in these, these uh, stories that I heard that were true um, and bring them in in a way where the, the characters in the movie are young. So they're not participating in those things and they're just hearing about it. And they have maybe a tangential or, or one or two de degree um, separation from the, the principles involved that these things are happening to, but it's still very mysterious and it's very hard to um, make sense of when you're a 13 year old, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that, that's, that's really what I wanted to explore. I absolutely forget the question, Dan, but. Uh, <laughs> nope, know. that was it. You answered it. Okay. You know, it sounds well, but it leads me to this is that uh do you think, you know, our our generation, Generation X, does it lend itself to be more, I don't want to say hopeless, but darker than say a John Hughes take? You know, if John Hughes was our age and making his movies ten years ago instead of in the eighties, would they be just as dark? Would would they uh, still have that whimsy? I you know, it's it's you know, John Hughes was a baby boomer, you know, and and uh and he was making these fables in a way for uh, for Generation X, you know. Um, and I, you know, I, are you asking like if he was making those films now, what they would be like? Yeah, like if instead of is it is is it the generational difference where the baby boomers just was life more optimistic for them? Yeah, I mean, life was life was fun for the baby boomers. You know what I mean? Like. Um, you know, I could go, I could talk four hours on that, you know, um, they had a lot of fun, you know, however you feel about them. And, and, uh, we may be sort of, um, you know, having to deal with a lot of their fun. Uh, but, you know, I think their, um, sort of depiction and their, um, idea of Generation X was in many ways, just fictional, you know, it just didn't. It just didn't exist, you know? And I think that there's a certain escape for us. So when you saw a film like The Breakfast Club, it, you know, it was fun in a way to maybe ascribe one of the characters to your own personality in some ways, but they weren't, they were it, you know, it was one of the great things about John Hughes is that these films weren't made to be like, you know, hyper-realistic and relatable. They were more aspirational in a way, you know? Um, and and in in some ways that's why they were just they were just sort of fables you know and yeah. and and they worked and i think now you know i guess i mean are those kind of movies working now um i guess that's the question and that would answer whether his would now or whether they would look the same now you know um i don't know maybe you would know better than i would in terms of teen movies that that are out there that have um that have taken hold you know well as far as i can tell they've been replaced by dystopian hunger games kind it's of entertainment true. i think yeah. the only coming of age movies that are i mean maybe we're maybe we are the last generation still watching them when are I, we gonna you know, come of age I, yeah exactly i think that um you know it is a crowded space in a way when you're doing a coming of age movie uh it's like what do you do with it i think that's why you see this dystopian things you see these these Hunger Games, these really wonderful, fun things, uh, uh, Twilight, you know, these things that are really high concept, you know, um, and 
the lower concept movies, I mean, you could say it maybe about any movie made in the 80s that it wouldn't get made today. People love to say that. But when you look at a movie like The Breakfast Club, when you see that it's, you know, six, seven, eight kids sitting in a room, uh, you know, that's not going to wow a studio executive today if it was a pitch, you know. Um, and uh, and so, you know, that really wouldn't be made today or could be viewed as redundant. And I think like what we try to do with our film is that, you know, it's a small film and, you know, it's the first movie I directed and it's hard to kind of, it's hard to like get some space out there for your film and have it sort of separate from the pack of films. And in our weird way, our high concept was how low concept it was, you know, um, <laughs> where it was going to be like, look, this is a, uh, this is, this is going to be fucking, you know, and it's either going to work or not work. We used to, we used to joke all the time. I used to joke with one of the producers, both uh, Nikola Dorachevich and, and Emily Ziff, uh, just like I would always say, like, look, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> do do, <laughs> you know? do producers like that joke? No. Really, don't Jeff? Ever, don't <laughs> ever say that to anyone, but it was kind of like, <laughs> it was like the George Costanza opposite thing, you know, where I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work, but I guess, you know, if you're willing to, you know, see with me that would be great and to their credit man they've they've really stuck with it and they really believed in it and were really proud of it so you uh, know hardly speaks to them but uh, i gotta say the finished product is good so uh, whatever you've done you've done you've done well well thanks dan all right uh i know we're just about out of time here okay. uh, but uh i feel like we've we've really gotten into some some deeper ideas here yeah it always happens so what? Are you, how are you going to follow this up? What's next in the pipeline? I guess the dystopian first thing, or no? Uh, what's that? <laughs> is it going to be dystopian or no? No. Well, the, to be honest, the first thing that I want to do, you know, is is sort of reverse engineer this uh, into a play. You know, it started as a play, um, and uh, and we it was workshopped and it didn't get off the ground. It's hard to do a play with a big cast, you know, and so. Um, I'd like to do that. And aside from that, I'm like finishing a script about, uh, you know, about New York City in the 90s. And, and uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's a long road, you know, and uh, present present circumstances don't make the process any easier. But hopefully yeah, I was going to say, is this the time to try and launch a play, Jeff? Exactly. Well, is it is it is it a time to try to start doing anything, you know, and and. I think, again, the only thing you can do is just like, look, you could try to get a play together and it takes a year, you know, like anyway. So it's, it's, uh, so the idea of doing that doesn't mean that you're going to come up against the uh, limitations of the pandemic, you know, six weeks from now, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. I think we're all in a very similar place, you know, with, with what's going to happen. And I think the best we can do is maybe pretend that, just to keep doing what we would be doing anyway, you know, and being creative. And so, you know, that's the sort of vague answer to your question, but that's what's up. Hey, hey, and that's good enough. Leave a little bit of mystery. And, you know, we can fill some of this pandemic time, uh, at least from uh, November 6 onward in New York and major cities, including Los Angeles, virtual theater opening of 18 to Party. And if you just... Don't live close enough to those places. It's coming to VOD basically everywhere December 1st. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going to give it my recommendation, uh, especially if you're Gen X. This is going to speak to you across, <laughs> ironically, multiple generations of coming of age films. Yeah, November sixth, by the way, is uh, I think November fifth. It's this Friday is the premiere and uh, the virtual theater on uh, Alamo Draft House. Their virtual theater that can be accessed at their on their website, so you can everyone can see this movie as early as Friday. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. If you want the theater experience, uh, again, we're all still learning in this pandemic how to do things. Uh, if this is the new normal, you got a major premiere coming up this Friday. Congratulations, Jeff. Sitting at home. Uh, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much, Dan. I appreciate it. <laughs> you got it, man. And uh, please think of us next time you're talking to anybody about your work. We'd love to be a part of it. And uh, good luck on all this. Okay. Thank you. Very grateful. Take care. All right. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Have a good one. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Emma. You guys have a good one. Tony. Mama. You look hungry. Come start your good breakfast with Kellogg Sugar Frosted Flake Cereal. The secret frosting makes it extra crunchy, extra delicious. I know. Flakes of corn with just the right amount of frosting for kids and adults. How did I teach you to say it? It's good. You may be Mr. Breakfast to the rest of the world, but you know what you are to me. Your little Tony. I'm so proud of him. Sit up straight. Aha. Even Tony the Tiger came of age. Really? That's right. <laughs> well, I guess it can happen Tony. to all of us. Uh, there was a little bit of a theme in there. I mean, there are, in some of these movies, there is a parent that can help uh, guide you through. I'm thinking of American Pie, where uh, the father, uh, played Gene by Levy. Gene Levy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or he's there to guide his son <laughs> as he However, un- traverses. Fortunately, the, it happens. Uh, yeah, the ebbs and flows of uh, adolescence and whatnot and coming of age. So, uh, Although yeah, usually I go. would Tony say most coming of age, the parents are uh, depicted as like either just so unaware. ignorant and unaware yeah. that they're just ineffectual. Uh, yeah. But Eugene Levy, anytime I get to see him do anything, I think is a good thing. So <laughs> who else would you want to help you navigate the nuances of fucking a pie? Eugene Levy. That's who I want. <laughs> yeah. I think it's at the top of the list for sure. Yeah. Maybe. Well, it's even about the nuances of fucking the pie. It's more about the, the ramifications of yeah. fucking the pie. It's, unfortunately, yeah, it came a little late. I think for our generation, we, we were already moved beyond pies, but. I think by when we were growing up, it would have been like uh, Bill Cosby trying to teach us how to fuck Jello without it waking up. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Damn. Just oh. wanted to get semi-topical there. 2018, I still dump on you. Oh, my God. Coming of age movies. And how about that Jeff Rhoda? He knows what he's doing. That's right. That's right. Uh and I kid not, I assume hopefully uh, I, I got the actual video of the interview, which was just video of him, poor guy, on, like in a spotlight. But he, was, he, he looked straight out of the 90s. Like he definitely had, he's our generation. He gets that. Yeah, he had the uh, he had the uh, hammer pants and he was. Doing <laughs> yeah. Oh, 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 oh
Uh, no, no, yeah, the, the full the, he, the he was wearing the uh you know the graphic tee with the button up cardigan and the long <laughs> yeah. greasy just, blonde I just, hair. I just imagine him coming in and out of frame doing the hammer dance with his back but with like the Doppler effect as he passes the mic. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do want to say uh, I I have seen this movie and um, it does fit into a certain type of coming of age movie. And it's definitely more on the Breakfast Club kids side. This is not a, a rip roaring one night to party kind of movies fast it's not a raunch yeah. fest it's this not thing is, it's a little bit more heavy X or whatever by any means it and yeah, in yeah. fact it's, i love the fact that it takes place like back in the 80s but it was made with such a nihilistic slacker 90s prism instead of john hughes like 70s we're gonna make the 80s kids better prism you know right um, and one thing that it does do, um, it does highlight how important a soundtrack is to these types of movies. Because uh, 18 to Party has a killer soundtrack, like a great soundtrack. I had an older brother who listened to all of this music. <laughs> but you I had a gym. Yeah. No, I mean, I was just a little young to listen to this music. But I remember, like... I like it now because my older brother listened to it, but you know, I was a little young for it, but this, the, the music in this particular movie, uh, I I think it's just fantastic. You know, um, it's just so, but it, it does it, you know, it's got the velvet underground, the alarm, big audio dynamite it's got mick jones like it's got like it's like this like and it's, those it's, yeah it's, and like those it, those are like, the artists that would not have been in a john hughes movie but they're right on the they were on the it's the like fringe of heart of rock it's it's what have it's what would have been playing uh in the car or uh, on your friend's boombox, right? Like that's that's what it was. It was, um, what's the term in the like when you hear movie that uh, when you hear music that's in the movie? Is it source? I think it's source. Oh, music. like where they're listening to it so we can hear right. it as the uh, right. Yeah, yeah, and I think like that's what the music in this movie. Like this is what it was like to grow up and be about fifteen. 1415 in the 80s. This is what it sounded like. And this is what it looked like. And this is how the kids talked. Um, This is not John Hughes, where this was some kind of hyper-realistic, kind of um, archetypical kind of look at being a teenager. This is the slice of life, going back to what Johnny Heck had said. I'm sorry, back to what Slick McFavorite had said. No, I was, said it. I said it. Oh, you said it. No, I'm uh, just kidding. I'm no, just fucking I <laughs> Slice of life. Slice of life. I said it too. Okay. <laughs> who, who said it? All right. But, uh, but this is more of um, a uh, period piece of the 1980s. That's what 18 to Party is like. Yeah. But a, and, and they're 
like all of a sudden their world seems to be opening up so much. They don't trust themselves. They don't trust each other. They're not just contemplating what is adulthood going to be. They get the big chunk of it is contemplating full on mortality. You know, they're talking about kids who have been killing themselves before they can be adults. Kind of like they're worried if they can come of age. I mean, it's got such existential dread. There's not a lot of room for looking through a hole in the wall at naked chicks. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. Doesn't make it less of a coming of age movie, I think is the point. But And also, hey, can't argue that soundtrack. It's like a rebel soundtrack. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, but yes, uh, thank you, uh, everybody, for uh, participating in that conversation. And just to kind of move things along a little bit, this is our 100th episode, I think. <laughs> yeah. We don't uh, have exact words. I, I, don't, I don't remember numbers on your episodes. <laughs> and, uh, we've had some episodes that have aired have been pooled because of uh, <laughs> contractual issues. Um, but did the uh, first several nude, and I think that those are gone. <laughs> so it's hard but, to quantify, uh, but we feel like hundredth episode, y'all. Hundredth episode, and Jeez. as the producer <sighs> of this. Well, we did have to pull that one episode where Mark went off on a flat earther rant for about two hours. That, <laughs> that was not good. He made just, some coaching I, points. I really, but, uh, <laughs> just to get serious for just a second, I do want to thank each and every one of you guys for participating in this thing. Going on almost eight years now, uh, this show has been... Up and down, it's been, we've had long form, short form, we've had live broadcasts, um, we've had uh, pre-recorded, we've had interviews, live interviews, recorded interviews, we've had all kinds of stuff. We've had, um, uh, there's two hosts, one host, four hosts, um, it's just A dozen. A dozen hosts. It doesn't like, but you guys, this is the core group. Hold on. Say what? How many hosts have I not been keeping an iron fist on this? (laughs) Well, the one with no host, that was really weird. Yeah. I was asleep. I apologized. Maybe, maybe it's where you're keeping that iron fist. (laughs) It's warmer than it looks. Thank you guys. Uh, I do want to thank all of you. Uh, Shay, for all the work that you've put in to creating this show, for editing this show, for hosting this show, thank you so much. Um, Slick McFavorite, you are the inspiration and why we put this show together in the first place. It's because we didn't want to be on your show anymore. And then um, Johnny Heck, Johnny Heck, it is that you are the best roundtable interviewer I've ever seen. And my God, you cannot exist on your own show. So you better be on mine. Uh, <laughs> they don't do them roundtables no more. Jimmy the Jimmy Jentlinski <laughs> was out there working for pennies for bleeding cool, and I said, "Hey, we talked him down. Over here 
<laughs> what an acquisition. <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> this is the same, but I don't have to carry these pennies around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really just want to thank all of you guys. Uh, it's been 100 episodes. Uh, they've They've all... I've had fun producing all of them. Um, and let me just say, and I'm going to ask all of you guys for your best memories <laughs> and cue the sad Oscars, uh, memoriam tribute music. But, um, my favorite episode of all time is still the Vernon Wells episode. And oh, I, I don't have that. the episode. Yeah. And the reason for it is because of its spontaneity. This was a guess that people don't always know. They can't always put the name to the face. It was and a bad guy from Commando. Mad Max. That one guy episode? Oh, I thought we were talking about many me. No, no. <laughs> that's Vernon. Yeah. That's, that's not Vernon Troy. Burn Troyer. Troyer. <laughs> also, this is the this is the main bad guy from Weird Science. Just to give you something, Johnny Heck. Um, well, not main bad he, guy, he, but he was one of the conjured party. Yes, wreckers. he was conjured. Who he basically just did his Mad Max character again. But um, it's one of my favorite episodes of. Uh, it, it is my favorite episode, and it's it's because of how it encapsulates what we were trying to do with this show in the beginning, which is to uh, bring you the themes of Saturday morning TV that we not only grew up with, but that grew up with us. Trademark. And trademark. <laughs> uh, uh, and it was just, it was, it was fun. It was unplanned and it was fun and it was all those things. But um, to this day, the uh, best I'm, segment we ever did was in that episode when Marky fell uh, hook, line, and sinker for the Marky Remember segment. The only time we successfully yeah. pulled it off. Where I basically try to walk you guys through this, the movie, the story, the plot of Commando. And I'm trying to remember Vernon Wells' character and what he did in this movie. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I was right. Yeah, for the most part, it's, he nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it, it's one of my favorite moments. So I do want to ask all of you guys, uh, starting with Slick, do you have a happy memory of being on Saturday Morning Serial? No pressure. Yeah, and and uh, it was really hard to remember because uh, usually I drink so much I, I, I can't remember oh. very much. Um, oh, that, the other thing the we never I mentioned. Like. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's the way I like to podcast. Um, but uh, uh, my favorite and my most memorable because I was driving. Um, <laughs> I I do not remember what episode it was. I I think it was like a pre Comic Con episode. Um, I was driving back from another con, probably a. G.I. Joe-Con or a a Transformers, a Bot-Con or something. But 
um, the simple fact that one, it was, it was so long ago. It, it was one of your earlier shows and the simple fact that I could be fucking driving cross country, have a headset on, have my phone dialed into you guys. And we're, we're putting on as, as I tell to my, uh, friends that don't understand podcasts, putting on an internet radio show, you know, as I'm fucking driving cross country, (laughs) I'm sure not imbibing in, uh, in any alcohol, but it probably imbibing in the other, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what better way to drive all night than whatever, whatever, (laughs) gotta get those lubes, man, gotta get those lubes. (laughs) um i i think that's amazing i mean and and that was so long ago and and it just speaks to um where technology has brought us and where you know uh two of my really good friends that i grew up with and then two guys that are absolutely amazing and hilarious can all get to fucking together and talk about shit that we grew up with and that is what character from breakfast club we are or which one we wish we were you know it, that is amazing. just so, like those like late 90s at&t fiber optic network commercials where they were like promising the new age technology how it would help you watch your kid being born from japan or something like <laughs> and there's not even enough context back then to explain like internet radio show, but it's exactly what it was like all this infrastructure and technology that we have now. And we were able to use it for something so stupid. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it was, that's, that's the future. And I love living in it. Good point. Oh, it's cheers beautiful. to that. Slick. Right, so, uh, Johnny heck. <laughs> yes. Well, first, I want to say thanks to uh, Shay, thanks to uh, Mark for letting me play around in this world. I think, Mark, you were one of the first friends I met when I moved to San Diego way back when and letting me roll up with you guys. It's been a, it's been awesome. And then get to chop it up with Jimmy and Slig, it's dope and, you know, different iterations. But as far as, like, favorite memories, like, one, I think, Mark, you couldn't do it. And I did a live interview with James Marsters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That was the first one I did, and that was that was really dope. And then eventually we went to Comic Con, started doing these roundtables, and thanks for props on that. I love that shit. Um, we've talked to so many celebrities; it's bananas, and we've literally traveled across the country, man. Like, oh yeah, uh, Ruthie Carter, man, Black Panther costume designer. I mean, we've gone to Celebration in Florida. I mean, Comic Con, WonderCon, but. Um, my my favorite memory where I laughed the loudest and it was uh, Mark, uh, me and uh, Graham and we were talking to somebody. It was like a serial historian, I think. Um, like, and then we were, for some reason I said this stupid joke and Mark tagged it. It was so goddamn funny. I had to take off my headphones and walk away. Like I'd mentioned, I, and I'm going to butcher the hell out of this, but it was something like, oh yeah. I remember the Super Mario Brothers cereal. I said, yeah, it, it wasn't that good. I remember um, I remember afterward I had to take a dump, and then ironically I had to call a plumber. And then Mark Mark goes, 
oh, you go, you go like, poop, it's a Mario, <laughs> or something like that. And I, and I just start dying. I don't know what the hell. I think I did something like that. You don't like, even uh, need to know the exact joke anymore to remember the yeah, laugh. And that. It was, I, 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 I think I went like, bloop, 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 bloop. Like, I went, yeah. I, I, did, I did the sound effect of coming yeah. out pipe which I can't do right now uh, for some reason. It was just, God, I just remember just laughing so hard. I, I walked away from the table and that was just too much. But it was good. And then also, anyway, I'm rambling. I'll, I'll wrap it up. But the pre, the pre-show kind of uh, meetings just at the studio and just having a couple of drinks, talk about what we're going to do. And they're like, all right, we kind of get in a huddle. All right, let's do it. And, and, Kind of get together because um, yeah, we do actually show prep everybody. We do chop it up for you know. <laughs> and an despite so what it sounds like at the end, the final product, our prep is probably uh, a four to one ratio for our recording. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I agree. It's just um, you know, and obviously because of COVID and everything else, we're not all in the studio. And even though like um, Slick McFavorite is in Colorado. But the rest of us are pretty are normally in Southern California within driving range. We would normally be doing this from Three Palm Studio. Uh, but oh, and we're full not disclosure, able- I know the technical uh, quality of the last several episodes. You probably thought we were in the room together. No, no, no. That's just <laughs> our that's just our genius editor at work with computer magic. <laughs> <laughs> I want that right. everyone to be assured we have been remote recording since uh, March of 2020, yeah. and uh. that's on the record. Yeah, sadly, <laughs> that's been the case. Good. And uh, but that doesn't stop us from trying to produce this content and from trying to bring you um, these great guests over the years. Uh, I'm going to get to that in a second, but I do want to hear from Jimmy, Jimmy the Gent. What's your memory? Yeah, get in this circle, Sergeant jerk, buddy. <laughs> well, you know, as much like this conversation, I'm a little late to the party here, but uh, I appreciate you guys taking me in and showing me the ropes and teaching me what it's like to be real podcasters out there in the real world. And um, But uh, it's hard to pick, like children, you know, favorite episodes. Uh, maybe some of those G.I. Joe episodes that hopefully we'll see some of the, the, the light of day. One of these days were a lot of fun. Oh, they're, and, they're in uh, Prince's vault, man. I can't make any promises. We have not and, cleared with Hasbro yet, so uh, we're working on that. Uh, well, maybe someday. Maybe I mean, if you guys are on our Patreon, maybe you'll get to that a little quicker. Um, and, and like uh, Johnny mentioned, you know, hanging out at Three Palm Studio, getting in the mood to record is always a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, maybe that's where some of the best episodes are uh, hatched right there is, is right before we hop on the mic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but in fact, just uh, like remember, said, listeners, thanks, thanks the best episodes we do, you don't even hear. That's right. It's right, right. Part of- <laughs> we strive Just to give you our C list material. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we we roll in. You uh, can't handle we, the A list. We we chop it up. We we basically uh, make fun of each other for the least the first forty five minutes. Um, Mark tells us for about ten minutes what the episode's about, and then uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty right. 
And then for about an hour, Mark and uh, Grim argue about what the show's going to be about. That sounds like the right ratio so far. We're up to three of the four hours. Yeah, and then uh, we, we go down a rabbit hole about Star Wars or something like that. And then um, yeah. we just make a mad dash into it because we go, oh, shit, it's 11 o'clock at night. Let's go record this thing. And Christ right. and help us point- if it's also football season. That's another 45 oh. minutes of the prep. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree with all of y'all. All right. Uh, Dan Shea, host of Saturday Morning Serial. Uh, give us your favorite memory or at least a memory all right well if i'm the anchor in this little relay race uh and we're just going to keep this masturbatory thing up i'll just say honestly this episode is my favorite i mean it will be someday years from now when i hear it again because i know what we're doing is creating some of these memories we're celebrating right now uh uh but failing that i'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum and say probably my favorite episode ever that I've been a part of was uh, Open Your Toys. Maybe the first or second Comic-Con episode when me and Marky got our first turn on a microphone. And I realized uh, that... We were in my apartment. Yeah. uh, Also, uh, full credit, Marky's apartment. Was it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, Of course Uh, it was. uh, Oh, this is just one Palm Studio. I guess... I guess I remember the one at your dining room table at your house, Grim Shay. Oh, oh, I remember uh, that one too, but no, that was not my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the one at Marquis's house where we sort of had a revolving cast of characters who could fit at at the microphones. You'd set it up all ad hoc after we'd had our first long day or third day at Comic-Con oh, and we had that big go. dinner okay, across yeah. the street. Uh, and I got to say, I think it's just because not only was that, you know, the first time I realized it was cool to record things with friends and you could call it semi-professional and let the world see it. And it wasn't Ugh. like public speaking <laughs> or something, but also just that, I mean, it's something you can do as a group. It's some sort of weird, bizarre, grown-up board game that has no pieces or rules, but you interact with each other and you you kind of carve out a social couch. I don't know. I don't think I'm explaining it well anymore, but I there is something also... magic in this. And if you're still listening, I'm sorry, because all of this is really just for us. <laughs> Can I just help you in this? Uh, oh, God, this I wish you would. Yeah, let me just get these last couple of strokes in here real quick, Dan. <laughs> it's, it's, Are we uh, done? We get to... Is the Triscuit place to, correctly? Uh, <laughs> I think the actual difference here, and this is where... Smattering of nervous actually, laughter. Uh, keeps this... <laughs> yeah. All right. All this right. Sorry, Marky. It's fair. Go. All right. This is where Slick McFavorite comes into this, is that uh, the difference between... Any other conversation that you had with your friends, whether they're nerd or jock, whether they're Judd Nelson <laughs> or Molly Ringwald or Ali Sheedy <laughs> or Anthony Michael Hall, it's that we get to talk about it and put it out there. This was something that didn't exist. This conversation didn't exist. And now it does. And it's recorded and it's out there 
and anybody can tune in and listen to it right or wrong, funny, stupid, doesn't matter. It's out there now. And that is a whole other world and a whole other level of responsibility. Um, I don't know if you guys were aware of that responsibility, but you all shared in it. And it's been amazing. We are all complicit together now, gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> we, we hang together, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we have made and, a big loaf of eternal banality. And we can only right. hope it is one amongst a thousand bricks building up to a better point. And now we hand the baton off to you, the younger listeners. Find your coming-of-age stories. Uh, make them better than ours. Uh, make us want to watch them as we get old and die. Um, uh, I don't well, know. This wait a hundred episodes, though. Yeah, uh, it, and if we're around for a hundred more, we'll do another one of these. Uh, yeah. So you better hope we're not. The only way to <laughs> defeat us is to like and subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Otherwise, we'll sneak right in and stick around forever. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. unless someone else has something incredibly profound to say, it's <laughs> all right. Well, you know, don't forget to uh, tune into the uh, Retro Cool Nerd Podcast. Oh shit! Yes, <laughs> let's do some plugs. Oh my god, I almost forgot one of the tenets of podcasting. Everybody, uh, yes. So, uh, open your choice podcast. Uh, where can we find you? All right, yeah. Uh, let's start with Slick. Me. Slick McFavorite. Open your toys. <laughs> The podcast dedicated to the four greatest action figure franchises of '80s and all time, and those are Star Wars, GI Joe, Transformers, and Masters of the Universe. Universe. Not in that particular so, so, so. order. You can find it at OpenYourToys.com. Oh, OpenYourToys.com. OpenYourToys.com. <laughs> yes, sir. And Y O U R T S. Dot com. You can find uh, the Powcast is a Saturday morning serial production hosted on Maddie P Radio on the Blog Talk Network. So hang out here and you could hear the Powcast, which is a Batman 66 era talk show. Am I right? You know, it is. It's a it's a retro look at all things a little nerdy and a little cool. Ah, that's what I through the eyes of the 66 TV show. Everything right, has that I'm... bright Batman 66 palette. The camera is rolled about 20 <laughs> degrees. And you call that a Dutch angle. And life is just a little <laughs> camp and classy. Dutch angle. Hey, you, you can't beat satin underwear. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, either and on the, the world inside or the is outside. a little better when you got a Batman <laughs> yes, with shark repellent on his belt. It's hard to argue that. <laughs> and great. And that, that is the brainchild. And I got to tell you, after listening to the third episode just came out. Uh, yep. And if you're hearing this, you probably have it downloaded on your phone. Anyway, go back and listen to it again. This is the brainchild of, uh, of our beloved yep. Jimmy the Gent. And he, yep. uh, God, the love and the work you put into that. As an editor, I got to tell you, Jimmy, God damn. I am so impressed. Well, yeah. I, thank, hey, thanks for saying that. So, Dan, and, and hopefully I'll have all you gentlemen back on my 100th episode. <laughs> yep, 97 <laughs> away. And also, um, I'd, I'd be Blood remiss. Away. 
I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my upcoming Police Academy rewatch podcast. <laughs> <laughs> What's so, the name uh, of it? Uh, 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 well, now it sounds like PARP. Yeah, I, I'm still workshopping a few things. It's not PAP? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the PAP. Police Academy <laughs> podcast. Swinging, swinging for the PAP. Get a PAP slap. It's a tax fear. It's all there. <laughs> Yeah, so a lot of sound effects, a lot of uh, Gutenberg, so much Gutenberg. <laughs> so much. There's more Gutenberg since the Bible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, you guys, thank you all again. Just wanted to say it one more time. Yeah. Thank you. And, no, and thank most you, of all, especially if you're still listening, thank you, listeners. Uh, uh, we assume this wouldn't be possible without you, but also apparently it probably is. Hundred episodes, y'all. <laughs> All right, no, they matter. They matter. It's okay. Yeah, sure. Y'all matter. They're the true heroes. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely, we definitely appreciate our listener. And by the way, Frank. Their gift bag is on its way. <laughs> All right. Now, quite clearly, I think we can agree. That's enough of this. That's enough of this. Simon. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this. This is Parker in the booth, and we're clear. Honestly, guys, beautiful. One take. We did it. Enjoy your Thanksgiving weekend. Aw, thanks a lot, Parker. And hey, thanks again, all you guys. A hundred episodes. Yes, we did it. Uh, All right, uh, I'm going to head home, get changed. I'll see you guys at the after party. I'm just going to take the back door and walk down the lonely alleyway by myself. I'll see you guys soon. Ooh. You can tell it's fall. There's a real Batman Begins kind of chill in the air. Where are my keys at here? All right, let's get the... Oh, 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 yeah, butterfingers. I have to pick those up. Damn it, Grimshay is why no one's ever going to love you. Nope, got him. Okay, back on track. Oh, my God. Who's there? Oh, it's you. So, 100 episodes, huh? Wait a minute. What are you doing with that gun? You got me twice. Is that what you were trying to do? Oh, Oh, it's a real who shot JR situation. A real JR situation indeed. What will become of our heroes on episode 101? Grim rides again. Or I got an itchin' for some bitchin'. Probably about the prequels, I don't know. We will see you here again. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's copyrighted? Well, whatever, Pemberton. Hamilton reminds you to always check your stool. And now try Pemberton's new patented poo pokers. That's right. Now you and the whole family can hygienically and safely probe your leavings in order to ensure you have nothing but good humors and are free of ill vapors. 
It's just like good old Doc Pemberton, Global Medical International, always says. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of witch hazel, four leeches, and three Hail Marys. So be a patriot and check your stool before you wreck your stool. Pemberton, it's enough of this when we say it's enough of this. And now, for real this time, it's enough of this. But Ten Buck says Holly Hobbits is the killer. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.